What's up, everyone? This is the final drive with Nate Castle. Um, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the first official episode of this podcast. I know the coronavirus has got everyone a little stir crazy just sitting inside, and I'm hoping this will help you pass the time and make things a little smoother for you. So, you know, the point of this pad- podcast, excuse me, will be primarily Bills football, more importantly, football in general. Um, I've been a huge Bills fan my entire life. My family is from Batavia, New York, and, um, you know, the Bills are a huge part of our daily lives, and it's just a way to connect and, and something I enjoy talking about. So let's get into it. So first off, the way we're going to start this out is by talking about the free agency moves that the Bills, that the Bills have made this past offseason. And uh, there have been quite a few. It started off a little slow that first day once the tampering uh, period began. But, you know, in typical Brandon Bean fashion, you know, he made moves late. And uh, I think they're really going to help us out this year. So let's get into it. So the first one on the list is uh, Mario Addison, who's listed as an outside linebacker. I would not be surprised if he played some defensive end for us. Uh, Previously from the Carolina Panthers. Surprise, surprise. Um, He signed a three-year, $30.45 million deal with uh, 15.25 of that $30 million guaranteed. But in, also in typical Brandon Bean fashion, there is a potential out after that first year. Um, he had a great year with Carolina last year. It's, it's very odd you find players into their 30s having you know, career years time and time again, you know, outdoing the prior year. But that seems to be the case with you know, Mario. He, in 2019, he played in 15 games, combined for 34 tackles. He had nine and a half sacks, and you know, the, the thing with this is that I think is going to be really, really important, especially if he stays on that track, is that last year Jordan Phillips led the Bills in sacks. Well, Mario Addison you know, had nine and a half himself last year, and no one else on the Bills was even within four sacks of Jordan Phillips with his nine and a half. So that could definitely you know, help out on the edge. You know, this is someone that McDermott is comfortable with and has done work with before. He was in Carolina for a time when McDermott was as well. So McDermott is comfortable and understands the locker room presence that Mario will bring. And I think that's a huge deal, especially with the locker room and presence and culture that the Bills have built up. You want guys in that locker room that, you know, have a little bit of grit to them. We're not asking for all choir boys and, you know, the, the, the best kind of guys around. You want some guys that are going to get dirty and, and rile up the crowd and rile up the team but, you know, do it the right way. And I think Mario Addison kind of exemplifies what that is. Great addition. So next on the list, we have A.J. Klein. He's an outside linebacker from New Orleans. He was actually captain for the Saints last year. You know, that just kind of shows what kind of leadership he brings to this team. McDermott and Bean are always looking for guys, especially with the loss of Lorenzo Alexander. We'll get into that a little bit later. But McDermott and Bean are looking for guys that, you know, can fill that locker room and just do the right things, you know, be leaders and exemplify good football on the field and off. And I think A.J. Klein is a perfect example of that. He signed a three-year, $18 million deal, which is a little bit on the high side for someone of his caliber, especially when Kyle Fackrell went to the New York Giants for a one-year deal worth up to $4.6 million. But, you know, Klein's abilities on special teams will absolutely help upgrade the unit from Julian Stanford, and I think that's kind of the value that he'll bring. He'll definitely play some snaps on the defensive side of the ball, but he is not known for his coverage abilities, and uh, that's something that is going to have to be addressed, especially with the loss of Lorenzo Alexander, but definitely an upgrade on special teams, and after some of the mishaps that happened this past season and how it costed the Bills games, the special teams is going to be a unit that is definitely upgraded and definitely needs to be upgraded, so it's good to see that McDermott and 
being are aware of that in addressing it. Moving on, we have Vernon Butler, defensive tackle from Carolina as well. Surprise, surprise. And, you know, it's not surprising <laughs> to see the Carolina connections coming back to Buffalo. And I know a lot of fans aren't, you know, too keen on that idea. Like, oh, you know, we're the Buffalo Panthers or the, whatever the case is. You know, I'm not, I'm not of that same thought process. I'm not on that train. I like guys that McDermott has had experiences with before and being as well because when you sign guys, when you trade for guys that you don't know, there's always a little bit of risk involved. If you can help minimize that risk, I think that is it can do wonders for the team. You want guys that you know, and I think that also shows from an outside perspective from the player's side that guys that have previously been with our regimen want to be with them again. I think that you know goes to show what kind of coaches and what kind of front office the Bills have that players want to come here. You know, There's this some kind of, of, especially what happened with Antonio Brown last year, this, this notion that people don't want to come to Buffalo, and that's just not the case. So it's good to see that guys that have been under this protocol and this, this regimen before understand what they're doing and understand that, that people want to be here, and I think that's great. So Vernon Butler, he signed a two-year, $15 million deal with $9.3 million guaranteed. Again, a potential out after one year. You'll see a, a common theme between a lot of these new deals. You know, a lot of them are potential outs, according to SpotTrack, after one year or two years. And, you know, some people might be asking, you know, why is that? Well, the reason is, is because we have two more years of Josh Allen on a rookie contract. And if he becomes the quarterback that Bills fans are hoping and that the front office is hoping, he's going to command a pretty hefty price tag once his rookie deal is up. Well, you can't pay Josh a lot of money and you can't pay your skill players a lot of money and still have a competitive full 53-man or I guess now 55-man roster. It's, it's tough to happen because guys want to make money. And you're seeing that now with, say, the team like the Cowboys who have given out a bunch of large contracts to a bunch of players and, you know, they, 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 whether they're worth it or not, that's not, you know, that's neither here nor there. But you lose out on guys like Byron Jones because you can't pay everyone on the roster these, these market-setting contracts. It just, you have a salary cap. It can't happen. So McBean, <laughs> McDermott and McBean, or Bean, whoever you, if you want to combine their names, they see it on Twitter all the time, they understand that they have to maximize this window that they have and take care of what needs to be taken care of now before it's not even possible two years from now. So moving on, we have Quentin Jefferson, who might be my favorite of all of the free agent signings, because if you listen to any of the Seattle talk shows, Seattle Seahawks, uh, beat reporters, anything to that nature, you understand that this guy was heavily underrated and heavily a big part of their team. Didn't play a lot of snaps, but with that being said, he was effective on the snaps that he did play. And I think that's huge because the Bills rotate their defensive line quite often. They want fresh guys in. Last year, Harrison Phillips went down in week three against the Bengals, and I was actually at that game. But even after that, there was still a plethora of different players coming in and out because they wanted fresh legs. That's the way McDermott runs his defense. I have no problem with it. But I think Quentin Jefferson is going to have a larger role here in Buffalo and is definitely a breakout candidate. He signed, like I said, a two-year $13.5 million deal with $6.25 million guaranteed. And there's a potential out after one year with him as well. So, you know, if things do go astray with any of these players, it's not like we are, are, have the Marcel Darius contract on our hands anymore where we're kind of tied to that player, which I think is 
just a testament to the contract negotiations that Bean conducts. Uh, lastly, as far as new players that are re-signed, unless you include a guy like Taiwan Jones, who's been a previous bill, Josh Norman was a cornerback from Washington. He signed a one-year, $6 million deal with $3 million guaranteed. Um, when I read that highlight come up, when it came up on my phone, um, I was not fond of it. I'll admit I am not a Josh Norman fan. I'm a fan of guys who keep their heads down and then compete and play at a high level but let your play do the talking. You know, once the, the problem that you, you find yourself in, in Josh Norman is that he's a type of player, and I believe, you know, Bruce Nolan has said it before, he's a type of player where he loses a step, but he cannot lose a step. It's just you, you've built yourself up to this platform of being the best, and when you don't reach that you know, peak, it, it's, it's, a faller, it's a farther fall than would be if had you not, you know, just kept your mouth shut. So... I have no doubt that he'll play well under McDermott. McDermott has a track record of having teams or players like the 2017 9-7 Bills make the playoffs who honestly had no business being in the playoffs. That was not a playoff roster. So if, if Josh Norman has the ability to rebound, no better team than to do it with McDermott. Um, but again, I do not want him being corner, cornerback number two. Depth, I'm fine with, but being cornerback number two, I am not fond of. With that being said, the Bills re-signed Levi Wallace, who was a restricted free agent. Um, I would not be surprised to see the Bills draft a cornerback early. And we don't have a first-round pick, but I would not be surprised to see that happen if their guy is still up there in the second round. But I'm okay with Levi Wallace being cornerback number two again. He didn't have the year that he was. He was not elite, um, and he later in the year he did lose some playing time to Kevin Johnson, who now is signed a one-year deal with the Browns, who I was hoping we could get back. Unfortunately, we did not, but, you know, that's just part of the league. Levi Wallace, I believe, is an upgrade on Josh Norman for cornerback, too. But with that being said, I think we still need to address that position. You know, when you have a guy like Trey White, who just completely blankets the top receiver of any team, the cornerback number two is going to get a lot of attention because no one wants to throw to Trey. I mean, he's an all-pro. So that cornerback number two position needs to be someone that you can rely on. I'm not sure that completely reliable player is currently on the roster. Um, I would love to say it is. I would love to see Levi or Josh kind of rebound. But, you know, I, I don't want to leave that up to chance because this potentially could be a Super Bowl roster if you make a couple of tweaks. And I think that's a position that needs one of those tweaks. We also signed Dean Marlowe, who plays safety. Um, I'm fond, fond of Dean Marlowe. He doesn't get a lot of play time because Micah Hyde and, and Jordan Poyer have been so healthy, knock on wood, and they're you know, the, a tandem that I, I love in Buffalo. But when Dean Marlowe is on the field, he makes plays, and I am definitely fond of this re-signing. I'm glad he's a Buffalo Bill this coming year. We also re-signed Isaiah McKenzie just today. I'm unaware of the contract terms, but I'm okay with this. I think that Dable did a little bit too much of the jet sweeps last year and these kind of trick plays with Isaiah McKenzie. I'm okay with him a couple of times uh, per year, per se, but I think it was a little overdone and a little overused, and it kind of hurt the offense. But Isaiah's a speedy guy. He's had a couple of burst plays, uh, most notably against the Titans this past year, I believe, that put them into a scoring position. So definitely someone that I'm okay bringing back. I, With that being said, I believe there's 11 players 
at the tight end position, including the practice squad of receivers on this roster. And they went into last year's training camp, I believe, with a couple more than that. So I would, like I said, I would not be surprised if we address the receiver position in this coming draft. Um, I think the draft is too deep of a class to just completely ignore. You know, take a shot on someone, even if they're developmental. You know, if, if you can upgrade any position, no matter what the position is, always look to do that. And also, we re-signed former Bill, Taiwan Jones. Um, he will be in, technically, he's listed as a running back. Um, I believe that he will primarily compete and play on special teams. He is also an upgrade on Julian Stanford. I believe he'll play that other gunner position with Robert Foster, which I'm completely okay with. He also is known for the infamous play of putting the Texans into a great scoring position late in overtime against the Bills this past year. So I mean, if you can beat him, join him, I guess. <laughs> but I'm glad to have him back. He's definitely a, uh, an upgrade on special teams. I'm okay with that. Now, the biggest move of all, it's not a free agency move. It was a trade. The Bills acquired Stefan Diggs from the Minnesota Vikings in exchange for a 2020 first-round pick, a 2020 fifth-round pick, a 2020 sixth-round pick, and a 2021 fourth-round pick. Now, I know prior to this, earlier in the day, Hopkins was signed, not signed, traded to the Arizona Cardinals for what seems like peanuts. And you're right, it was peanuts. At the same time, you got to remember that Bill O'Brien is a football coach. Whether you think he's a good one or not, he's a football coach. He has no right, and I'll debate anyone on this, no right being the GM of this team. That is not his criteria. That is not his his bill, per se. Um, so you, they got fleeced. I mean, they, they did. With that being said, there is only one other player in the history of the league who had three straight All-Pros and then was traded from that team the next year. And it was Jim Brown because he retired. This is, that's an outlier. That is not the norm. With that being said, I think the Bills gave up what you, what you have to give up for a first-round pick. If you were to do the trade value of the picks that the Bills gave up, which was, like I said, they gave up 22, they gave a 2025th rounder, they gave a 2026th rounder, and a 2021 rounder, those picks get you up to number 18 overall this coming year based on trade value that most teams abide by. If you're picking at 18, you're assuming you're going to take a receiver. Is it possible to say that any of those receivers are, are better than Stephon Diggs? I mean... It, any, at any position in the draft, no matter what number one overall to number 199 overall, it, it doesn't matter. That player is a risk. I am okay with Bean knowing he needs number one, getting a number one that has a track record of success on a four-year, $46 million deal, technically a five-year, but he played this past year with the Vikings. Essentially, four years is what you're getting for a rookie deal anyway. Granted, you have, you know, maybe Stefan Diggs wants a contract ex contract extension at some point, and that's something that we'll have to deal with down the road. But as of right now, this is a great contract for a number one receiver, and you really didn't give up that much for him. I am completely okay with that because Josh Allen needs a number one. Granted, uh, John Brown had a great year last year for his standards, but you know, can you rely on that again and again? He's not. You saw later in the year, down the stretch, a couple of games when we needed someone to make a contested catch. Most notably, I'd say the slant route to John Brown 
against the Ravens on, on a scoring scoring drive, potentially. And he couldn't make the play. Well, Stephon Diggs, I guarantee, makes that catch. He is known for his contested catches. His separation is ridiculous. Go watch some of his routes if you don't believe me. The guy is a route genius, and it's something that has been lacking on the Bills for a very, very long time. And there's arguments that the last number one receiver that the Bills had on the team was Eric Moulds, maybe Stevie Johnson. I'm not under the impression that Sammy Watkins was a number one receiver. He had maybe one to two years of of being a good receiver, nowhere near elite. So I'm okay with getting what I believe is one of the best receivers in the game. Now, going into the past year's stats on the players that we've signed, we have Mario Addison. In 2019, he played in 15 games. He combined for 34 tackles and nine and a half sacks. Again, that is something that the Bills lacked last year. They lacked a consistent pass rush. More so, Jordan Phillips's sacks were coverage sacks. They weren't necessarily him, you know, blasting through the line, blowing up a play in the backfield. It's it's something that was more so caused by having one of the most elite secondaries in the league, in my opinion. So having Mario and that experience, I believe, brings a lot to this defensive line unit. AJ Klein, he combined for 69 tackles, two and a half sacks. He had two passes defended, one interception, a touchdown, and a fumble recovery. Or a forced fumble, I'm sorry. That, I th- you know, that's, that's fine for a guy at, at his, of his caliber. Again, the contract seems a little high, but the Bills can get out of it fairly scathe-free. So I, I'm cool with that. And again, he was a captain of the Saints last year. He brings some leadership. There's some intangibles into that contract that you can't necessarily quantify that I think add value to the team. Vernon Butler last year had six sacks. Three forced fumbles, 32 tackles in 14 games. Again, he wasn't an every-down player, but in the Bills lineup, you don't have to be. Just maximize the time that you're on the field, and, and that's, that's fine with the way that the Bills run their defense. The fine, that's, Leslie Frazier is a great defensive coordinator. I believe that Vernon Butler will fit in just fine. Quentin Jefferson played in 14 games. He had three passes defended, one fumble recovery, three and a half sacks, and 26 tackles. Again, those aren't numbers that, you know, blast off the page at you. But when you look at his, you know, win ratio, him and Ed Oliver are in the top 10 of the league as far as their, you know, win ratio. And I think that's huge. You, to get pressure, you've got to beat the offensive lineman. And you want someone that's doing that consistently. Again, wasn't on the field for as many plays as other players, but he was efficient when he was on the field. And efficiency to me is the most important statistic. Josh Norman last year had 33 tackles, one sack, six passes defended, one interception, and one forced fumble. Again, that those aren't stats that, you know, scream cornerback one, cornerback two. And again, I'm not hoping Josh Norman isn't that type of player. I'm hoping if Josh Norman is thrusted into that role of cornerback two, he had to have had a great offseason because I don't think right now that he is slated to be in that position, and that is fine with me. And lastly, Stephon Diggs' stats. Last year, he had 63 receptions, 1,130 yards, and six touchdowns. Believe it or not, the, the yardage is a career high, but the he had almost 40 catches less than last year and three touchdowns less than last year, which is pretty mind-boggling. I mean, that's if you look at those numbers, that is a pretty good wide receiver one stat line. The Bills are the only team in the league that have two 1,000-yard receivers from 2019, plus a 700-plus-yard receiver in Cole Beasley. 
there's an argument that the, now the Bills have one of the best receiving cores in the league, and that's something that is kind of mind-boggling to say because it's been so lackluster for as long as I can remember. Uh, you know, I, I believe that the Bills are doing the thing the right way. They have a tough schedule this year, especially with some of the moves that their opponents have made this offseason, most notably, I'd say, the Cardinals and the Dolphins. The Dolphins have a ways to go yet, but I think Brian Flores is a good coach. And I would not be surprised to see the Dolphins finish higher in the AFC than the Jets this coming year. But that's just me. A couple notes around the league. Um, Cam Newton, I'm currently in North Carolina, so I see a lot of Panthers news. Cam Newton was released. It's, It's tough to see a guy like Cam Newton or a guy like Andrew Luck who had so much potential to be star players for an extended amount of time that just aren't able to do so because they've had such lackluster O-line play for so long. You know, a guy can be as talented as they come, but health health is something that affects every player, no matter how talented you are. And if you can't stay on the field, you're not as valuable. So it's, it's tough to see a guy like Cam Newton be done as dirty as he did, just being released. You know, I think he still has some of the tank, but he's got to be on the field. And with all of this coronavirus stuff going on, I think it's kind of tough for teams to judge exactly how healthy he is because they have to rely on an outside doctor to do these physicals and things of that nature. So I think it'll be a little time before he signs somewhere. Um, He has, in some capacity, been linked to the Bills. Um, There's no doubt that Josh Allen is a starter. Um, With that being said, I think if, if he wanted to come to a backup role, I'm not sure that's something he's looking to do. But he definitely would be an upgrade pending health on Matt Barkley. Um, We saw week 17 last year and against the Patriots week four that if Josh Allen were to go down, the the Bills are in trouble. And that's something that makes me nervous, but it's something that a lot of teams have to deal with. I mean, that's why backup quarterbacks are backup quarterbacks. They're not elite starters. So again, if I believe McBean is under the same, and I'm combining their names on purpose, but I believe that they're under the same impression that no matter what position it is, if it can be upgraded, let's upgrade it. So with that being said, I believe that's the first episode and conclusion of The Final Drive. I appreciate everyone tuning in. Um, moving forward, I would love to hear some questions or concerns that you guys have about the Bills or anything you generally want to talk about. I'd love to hear from you guys. And again, I really appreciate you tuning in and go Bills.